This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is The Full Story. The Reserve Bank of Australia has raised interest rates again and again. For the third month in a row. 1.35%. 1.85%. 2.35%. 2.6%. With 12 rate rises in 13 months. 3.85. Oh, is that yeah. another interest rate hike? OK. Yeah. The Governor of the Reserve Bank, Philip Lowe, has signalled he intends to keep lifting rates as needed to slow the economy and bring down inflation. But this plan is at the centre of a heated debate, even drawing critique from the Treasurer. Uh, The Reserve Bank's job is to squash inflation without crunching the economy, uh, and they will have lots of opportunities, of course, to explain and defend the decision that they've taken today. My job is Some are concerned the economy is slowing too rapidly, with predictions Australia could slide into a recession later this year. Today, columnist Greg Jericho and economics correspondent Peter Hannum on whether the RBA is helping or hurting the economy. It's Wednesday, the 14th of June. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. Peter, the governor of the RBA, Philip Lowe, has been making headlines for some controversial comments about how households can help bring inflation down. What did he say? Okay, look, uh, Philip Lowe tends to be fairly considered in his comments, but if you ask enough questions, he does end up giving you a jarring answer or two. So back at the end of May, for example, uh, Lowe told Senate estimates, We need more people on average to live in each dwelling. And prices do that. Right. The headlines were get a housemate to ease the cost of living crisis, essentially. Yes. And people did point out, I think, that he's got a five-bedroom mansion somewhere in Sydney. Mm. Anyway, and so last week, uh, he told an investment bank conference in Sydney uh, from uh, Morgan Stanley that, quote, if people can cut back spending... Or in some, some cases find additional hours of work, that would put them back into a positive cash flow position. So people, of course, took that to mean like, oh, well, what if you can't cut back your spending? Or how do you find additional hours of work? I guess the extension might be you could also sell a kidney 
in any case, uh, those kind of comments do come across as lacking in empathy. And that's one of the reasons, perhaps, that he's become such a magnet for people's anger. Right. All of this comes in, in the context of people struggling with interest rate rises and inflation remaining stubbornly high. Why is the RBA continuing to raise interest rates, Peter? Okay. So, look, taking back uh, a step or two, uh, central banks everywhere have been struggling to understand this cycle of inflation. First, it was so-called transitory inflation because of all those COVID-related stimulus spendings, supply disruptions, and the like. Then it spiked. And so after the Russian aggression against Ukraine pushed up food and fuel prices globally, that became a different type of inflation, particularly around goods. Mm. And now it seems like the inflation rates become more sticky, not just in Australia, uh, but many other countries where it's not falling back as much as the models and the degree of guesswork had actually expected. So that's uh, a key reason why the RBA has been raising interest rates. Right. So we saw the war and the supply shortages really spike inflation. But as you say, it remains sticky. What is keeping this inflation high, Peter? Okay. So in kind of actual numbers for the March quarter, services, everything from holiday travel, medical services, what we spend in restaurants, and of course, rents were 6.1% higher compared with a year earlier. And that's the highest rate of increase since uh, the GST distortions when that uh, came into force about 22 years ago. Peter, why do higher rents and other service prices push up inflation? Simply, services make up 80% of the economy. And if they are seeing increases in prices, that's not the direction the RBA wants to see. So they're concerned that... uh, evidence abroad and also here, there'll be a stickiness when we want to see those things come down, partly because wages make up such a big part of services and they are like beginning to pick up just now. Right. There is this concern around wages and that they are already fueling inflation and could further fuel inflation. The Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry pointed to the recent increase in the minimum wage of 5.75%. Is this a valid concern, wages pushing inflation up, Peter? Okay, look, firstly, Lowe said there were several upside surprises on inflation, wages and house prices, and also inflation coming from overseas. So wages was one of the four areas of concern. So Lowe was pointing out particularly the 5.75% increase that the Fair Work Commission introduced for award wages for the year starting the 1st of July. And he said it was, quote, higher than we had factored into our forecast. How much it adds to the inflation outcomes really depends upon whether it spreads across other parts of the labour market. He noted that there was a, quote, big increase last year in that Fair Work decision, Fair Work Commission decision of 5.2%. And that didn't have a big impact on the rest of uh, wage demands. And he's hoping that's going to be the case this year as well. Right. So he's not so much worried about the increase to the minimum wage, but he is concerned that people might see that 5.75% minimum wage increase and say, hey, you know, I work in a factory over here and I would also like a wage increase. But we'll have to wait and see whether that happens throughout the year. We do know, however, that service prices like rent is driving inflation right now. 
does the RBA's approach of raising interest rates bring down things like rent? Basically, uh, higher interest rates sap demand from the economy sort of in all measures. We, you know, we, we started talking about low saying people should move back in with their parents or share homes and so on. And if and a, a friend of mine actually yesterday told me that uh, his son and girlfriend had now moved back into his house. This must be going on, on the margin, at little parts of the economy, all over the place. That's the kind of steps that the RBA is hoping will happen. Mm, so the RBA is hoping that rents go down because people are tightening their budget and share housing or moving in with their parents, so there's less competition for rentals overall. But higher interest rates mean higher mortgage repayments. Could this have the reverse effect with landlords raising rents to cover those payments? On the whole, your renters, they're going to be faced with landlords testing the market, trying to get as much as they want every time they renew their rents. At the moment, it does seem like the landlords can load up and say, we've got a you know a higher cost, we're going to pass those on. Some households just can't cut back because they're down only to discretionary goods. How do you cut back when you know you still need to heat your home or drive to work or somewhere? So that's the kind of where the stress is being felt the most. So the RBA is banking on people share housing more, spending less on holidays, spending less on medical services. But some economists are worried that they are going too far, that they're punishing households unnecessarily here, and that raising these interest rates might push us into a recession. Is that a valid concern, Peter? There's economists such as at CBA who now reckon it's a 50-50 chance we'll have a recession this year. Mm. You know, per person, spending, excluding inflation, we are actually spending less than we were a year ago. So if the RBA has got it wrong and we actually cut back sharper than they anticipate, then a recession is, is probably a certainty. But it does seem like Lowe is prepared to take the risk of of that kind of downside error rather than letting inflation stay higher for longer. On those sort of priorities, he seems to be saying, you know, I'm going to focus on inflation first, recession or not, that's not my job. Does he have that risk matrix right, Peter? Is it right for him to focus on inflation first and not worry about a recession? Well, look, that's kind of the way that um, central banks around the world attacking it. And you could argue that, um, you know, just targeting inflation is a bit outmoded. But the RBA, you know, they figure it's more damaging to the economy longer term to have inflation high or get out of control than, you know, a short term, hopefully short term period of pain. So the RBA is banking on the fact that they have this risk matrix right between, you know, dipping us into a recession versus bringing down inflation. Others are concerned that they haven't, including the Treasurer, Jim Chalmers. Uh, I do expect that there will be a lot of Australians who will find this decision difficult to understand and difficult to cop. Uh, the Reserve Bank's job is to squash inflation without crunching the economy, uh, and they will have lots of opportunities, of course, to explain and defend the decision that they've taken today. My job is what has he had to say about the RBA? Well, look, I think he's very keen on making sure that if people look at, uh, you know, rising prices, higher interest rates and so on, that they think low is to blame and not the government. 
it's fair to say that um, Labor coming into government last or in May of 2022 benefited from that first interest rate rise that the RBA introduced. And that was the first increase in about a decade. And that spoiled much of the coalition's argument that they were better economic managers. It really blunted that approach, gave Labor uh, a big uh, help right in the middle of the election campaign. So since then, there's been you know, 11 more increases of interest rates. And of course, that's all come within the Labor government. In any case, it's definitely the interest for the government to say, look, the RBA is independent. They're doing all this. Our hands are tied and the like. Now, the problem is that um, Lowe's term runs out in September. If they cut him loose, which most people think the government will and appoint somebody else, then in a sense, all of the blame sits with them. Okay, thank you so much, Peter. You're always welcome. Next, Greg Jericho on whether the RBA is killing the economy. Hey, Laura Murphy-Oates here with a quick note about The Guardian. As you're probably aware, Guardian Australia's journalism is editorially independent, meaning we set our own agenda. We don't have a billionaire owner, nor do we answer to shareholders, so we're free from commercial bias. And this independence matters because it means we're able to challenge the powerful and hold them to account. Unlike many news organisations, we have not put up a paywall. We chose a model that means our reporting is open to everyone and funded by our readers who can afford to pay. Every contribution, whether big or small, counts. If you're able to contribute and have a minute, head to theguardian.com forward slash support full story. We've also linked to this on the full story page. Thanks. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy to assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Greg Jericho, you're a columnist for The Guardian and you work at the Australia Institute, an independent think tank. In your opinion, did the RBA need to raise interest rates again? No, uh, I think uh, they actually made the right decision when they decided to finally pause interest rate rises in April because, as as they said at the time, they wanted to have a bit of a look and see how uh, things were going, what the data would show, because there's always a bit of lag with uh, interest rate rises. They'll raise an interest rate rise in one month, but it takes a month and a bit, sometimes even longer for it really to flow through into the economy. And so that done a stack of interest rate rises and it was a good time to stop. And then they stopped for four weeks and then they started up 
once again, and there really hadn't been any data that came through that suggested they needed to. The inflation rate uh, figures were pretty much on target with what they'd been predicting. Unemployment was starting to, to go up. But worse than that is that uh, the most recent interest rate rise, they they did it the day before the March quarter GDP figures came out. And the March quarter GDP figures showed that the economy is really slowing really fast. In the first three months of this year, the only reason the economy increased at all was population growth. If you take away population growth and just look at a per capita basis, it went backwards 0.2%, which is not a good thing. Mm, can you put that into context, 0.2%? How slow is that historically for the Australian economy? We're getting close to a recession. Now, I don't want to say we're in a recession or we're going to have a recession, but we are really treading a fine line right now. And the irony is the Reserve Bank knows this. The Treasury knows this because they're both forecasting for the 2023-24 financial year. They're, they're forecasting that per capita GDP will fall. And that's only happened four times before, you know, in the last 40 years. It's a very rare occurrence for over a course of a year for the economy to be smaller than it was 12 months earlier if you take away population growth. The only times that's happened, we're talking 1990s recession. It happened a couple of times. It happened during the GFC and it happened during the pandemic. So these are not good uh, sides ahead. And yet, despite this, we're, we're having a Reserve Bank still determined to slow an economy that, to my mind, is already slow. That's my big worry, is that the Reserve Bank is kind of just determined to to slow this economy so much. And it's it hasn't really looked around and go, actually, it's already doing that. Uh, a job done. Let's have a pause. Let's not kill this economy. Let's just you know, put it a little bit to sleep, perhaps give it a nap rather than let's knock it into next year. Greg, you've really been at loggerheads with the RBA over how to bring down inflation. You argue that we need to look at company profits. Can you explain that? The Reserve Bank, in my mind, is is treating this period of recession like we're in 1982 or 1989, 1990. And um, my argument is, why are you doing this? Why aren't you perhaps just being a bit more patient and a bit more understanding about what is actually driving inflation this time? There's certainly no sense that wages are rising fast. They're rising half the rate of, of inflation. They're not driving inflation at all. Mm. So stop using the cure that you would if wages were going bad. I think there are things that can be done. Our research has certainly shown that profits are a big driver of inflation. That's sort of what is behind all the increase in in prices on a national level. And then uh, the OECD came out using exactly the same method, showing pretty much exactly the same results. And it wasn't just Australia, it was around the world. So target profits, target things that are allowing prices to keep going up. We have uh, evidence that you know grocery companies like Coles and Woolworths are doing very nicely out of this period of inflation because they know this is a good time to raise prices because, yes, people will be grumpy about them. People will hate see that the price of milk, the price of cereal, the price of everything is going up. But there's not this sense of, oh, this is just 
profit gouging as it would be in sort of in the period before the years before the pandemic when prices were flat as anything. You know, everyone knew that inflation was nothing. So I think that uh, just increasing interest rates is really an extremely blunt instrument. But worse than that, it's trying to tackle a cause of inflation that I don't think really is there. Grogs, this has been a divisive issue, though. Economists are really split as to whether it's company profits or potentially wages that are driving inflation. Why is there this split? There's a couple of reasons. And if you want to get down to it, some of it, I think, is just petty personality. Um, the, the sense that it's profit-driven kind of goes against the, the sort of traditional models that, oh, but... They couldn't do this if there wasn't the demand for products because companies would undercut each other. You couldn't just raise prices and and get away with it. And we're like, uh, what world are you living in? You know, most people in Australia, it's Coles and Woolies and maybe there's an Audi somewhere. But, you know, let's be honest, we know where people uh, spend their money. We know where people go to borrow money from the banks. It's the big four banks. We know that so many industries in Australia are very much concentrated in two, three, four firms. And that lack of competition means that they're able to take advantage in a way that you wouldn't if there was perfect or even sort of semi-good competition. And, you know, profits make up a third of the Australian economy. Let's have a look at the impact of them and then let's argue about it. But really what we've seen from the Reserve Bank, from Treasury from some of the more sort of uh, establishment economists is just, uh, oh, no, you can't do that. That's uh, how silly, you know, that that's not how economies work. And I think uh, they've been shown to be a little bit um, out of step and perhaps they're, they're fighting the last war, whereas uh, we're trying to sort of uh, work out what's going on in this one. That was columnist Greg Jericho and earlier economics correspondent Peter Hannum. I do recommend checking out Greg's latest piece titled The Economy is Slowing, Yet the RBA Seems Desperate to Ensure This is As Good as It Gets for a Long Time. It does include a bunch of graphs on company profits and wages that I found very useful in wrapping my head around this issue. This episode was produced by Miles Herbert, sound design and mixing by Daniel Simo, theme music by Joe Koning. The executive producers of this episode are Gabrielle Jackson and Miles Martignoni. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you tomorrow. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.